When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. The Raiders are capping off their two-game road trip this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So for this week's Behind Enemy Lines podcast, please welcome Ryan O'Blennis from Big Cat Country, SB Nation's site that covers all things Jaguars. Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? Hey, Matt. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk about the matchup. Awesome, man. So we're about, what, eight games in, I believe, for the Jaguars right now. Raiders are at seven. What are your thoughts for the uh, for the season so far? Well, you know, I mean, it's definitely had its ups and downs. I would say, um, you know, going into the year, this was a, a Jaguars team that was obviously very young. Um, I don't think that a lot of people had high expectations for them. Um, you know, maybe somewhere around six, seven win mark, which I think is, is still in play now. But the way that the season started for the Jaguars, um, you know, they lost a close one in week one to the Washington Commanders and then they went and shut out the Indianapolis Colts at home. And then they followed that up by going out to the, the West coast and beating up on the Los Angeles chargers. All of a sudden they were two and one and, um, you know, looking strong and looking like, you know, possibly a surprise team in the AFC. Uh, and then, you know, since then now, um, they, they've been on, on this, uh, five game losing streak and, uh, you know, it's kind of been like a same old Jaguars thing. Um, there's, there's definitely been some struggles and some ups and downs, and they've all been close losses, um, one-score games. So, um, you know, you know, you think that maybe the team is close, but still not quite there. Um, you know, they're still not a, a contender, um, although the AFC South is a rather weak division, it, it mm-hmm. seems, this season. So, you know, maybe something could still happen. But overall, yeah, I think it's been kind of a roller coaster ride, and now it, it's back to kind of where people expected it to be. So I actually wanted to ask you about that, that three-game stretch to start the season where they look good, like you said, look promising, look like this young, feisty team, and then don't go into dropping five in a row. So what's been the biggest difference? Is it offense? Is it defense? Is it just a young team? Like, is there something that's discernible that you can put your finger on? Yeah, you know, I think it's a mix of some things. Um, the defense was definitely playing really well in that early game stretch and, and has taken some steps back. Um you know, they, they really struggled to kind of defend the middle of the field. And the second game against the Colts, you saw Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman just kind of expose the Jaguars defense in the middle of the field on crossing routes and things like that. Um, you know, the, the run defense started out really strong and has taken a bit of a step back there, too. Um, you know, the, the pass coverage in that game against the Colts was not great. Uh, guys like Shaquille Griffin have been picked on. He's on IR now, so the Jaguars are little bit thinner at cornerback and um they just kind of been like I said taking a step back on defense and offensively you know it's it's been an issue of inconsistency because obviously this team goes as Trevor Lawrence goes um and he you know he he shows his flashes of brilliance and then he also makes silly mistakes and and, um you know fans have questioned you know if this team can win with Lawrence you know what he was promised to be I think was this generational talent quarterback. And I still think he is, but it seems like a lot of Jaguars fans don't really want to to have any patience with him. And, you know, in the NFL, 
you you take time to learn right. and grow and develop. And especially when you consider that his head coach last year was a joke in Urban Meyer, and mm-hmm. um, you know he was just in a bad situation. And this year with Doug Peterson, it, he he's really now kind of taking those steps up, but he's still making those kind of mistakes that you you wouldn't expect him to make. Where um, he is maybe lacking into one receiver, he's having uh, trouble. With his accuracy, he, he's really struggled in the red zone. Um, you know, the, leaving points off the off the board for Jaguars. So you know, he had a crucial interception against the Broncos there in the red zone, and he's uh, he's got a really poor completion percentage in the red zone. I looked it up earlier, and it was something like eighteen for forty-one on the season, it's... and inside the twenty. So <laughs> um, you know, that hasn't been great. And obviously, um, you're, you're leaving points on the board when you're not scoring in red zones, or you're settling for for field goals instead of touchdowns, and um, also, I think, you know, even, even the coaching is a little bit to blame. I do want to point out that it's a night and day difference between Doug Peterson and Urban Meyer and Doug Peterson actually knows what he's doing and he's a good offensive mind and, um, he's good at scheming, but there's been some questionable decisions that he and the coaching staff have made. And, um, you know, for instance, like some other games where they were running the ball really well and they would abandon it too quickly. Um, and, you know, so just kind of putting the offense in some bad situations and uh, other things. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of been a mix of the offense defense coaching. I don't know which one is most to blame or how to pinpoint what exactly the issue is. Like I said, these have been one score games. They've been close. Um, it's just a, a fact of the Jaguars aren't able to do it. And you also have to remember that it's a very young team that that's had a long culture of losing in Jacksonville, right? You know, outside of that year in 2017, it's been a pretty dormant franchise. Um, and, you know, for a lot of the fan base, that's been obviously very frustrating. And, and it's kind of instilled in that culture of, um, you know, this this is what it is. So how do you break through that? I, I think, you know, the Jaguars are maybe having a bit of an identity crisis and trying to figure out what they are. So I want to circle back to Trevor Lawrence for a second. And I think you brought up some of the, some of his issues. So I'm curious, as far as growth, has he been making the same mistakes that he was making last year? Or is it kind of just been a collection of just new things and he just needs to be a little bit better? I think that, um, you know, some of his decision-making has definitely been questionable, but it's been better than last year. And like I said, the, a lot of Jaguars fans on social media have not given him much of the benefit of the doubt. I don't think a lot of the criticism – toward Trevor has been fair. I do understand some of it. I do think that he was expected to be better than he, he had, than he's played um, thus far. But again, he's kind of a, uh, you, you know, kind of a product of his own circumstances where he was this highly touted, you know, quarterback generational talent, probably the best player to come out of the NFL draft since Andrew Luck, if not ever. And he hasn't quite lived up to those uh, expectations yet. And, but, it's not really fair for him to expect to be that player just yet. I mean, he, he's still a really, really young quarterback. He's still learning. Um, like I said, his rookie season was basically a throwaway. It's, it's, um, you know, it's tough with him. So I, it, like I said, he, his biggest issues have been in the red zone with accuracy, some of the decision-making stuff, some of the things where he's not going through his progressions or he's locking into one receiver or he should be taking a check down instead of always trying to play hero ball and launch it 60 yards for a touchdown or whatever it might be. He's, he gets um, maybe too aggressive in the red zone, which is why some of those interceptions, I think he's thrown three in the red zone of his six interceptions this year. 
um, because he, he wants so badly to make a play that he's maybe blinded by that sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, I think he has shown growth, especially under the direction of, of Doug Peterson, who is obviously a former quarterback himself, a guy who's won a Super Bowl as both a, a player, albeit a backup and a coach. And he's gotten the best out of guys like Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, who have not really had success anywhere else. So yeah. I think that, sure. you know, Peterson is the guy who, uh, you know, can eventually unlock Trevor's potential. Like I said, there's been, you know, some questions now about the play calls and, and things that Peterson's doing. But I think that overall, he's still, you know, Jaguars fans still view him as the right person to kind of turn this thing around for Jacksonville and the right person to unlock that for, for Trevor Lawrence. But, um, you know, he's also surrounded Lawrence with a good offensive staff with offensive coordinator, Press Taylor and quarterbacks coach Mike McCoy and passing game coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, you know, all guys who have experience, um, you know, coaching or, or playing the position. And um, so I do think, you know, he's around the right staff. I do think he's still got a long way to go, but I do still believe that he is eventually going to, get, going to be the guy that he was promised to be. It's just a matter of patience. And for a Jaguars fan base that has had nothing but losing, 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 it's hard to have that patience. And I think that's why you see a lot of the frustration and things like that on Twitter regarding Lawrence. Um, but I think that it's important to remember, again, he's a very young player and he has all the talent in the world it's just a matter of eventually being able to unlock that. Now, you know, next year in year three, if he's still struggling and making these same mistakes, then yeah, maybe this isn't going to work out. But for right now, I think those kind of claims are way too premature. For sure. For sure. So I'm curious because he has found success in the past. And I think you might've answered my question a little bit already in your answer over there, but what is the difference between good Trevor Lawrence and bad Trevor Lawrence? Is it that decision-making? Is it that learning when to pick and choose your shots? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you go back to week two and you watch Jacksonville's win over the Indianapolis Colts, that was kind of a perfect game plan for Lawrence. He, they, the coaching staff kept uh, everything in front of him, you know, just short passes, dump offs, checks downs, um, not testing the defense too deep, but taking advantage of the holes in the zone and giving and taking what uh, the defense was giving you don't ask Lawrence to do too much and get, and don't, uh, you know, I don't want to say that he's getting in his own head because I don't know, but mm -hmm. don't, but I think, you know, the less, right. yeah, less, the less thinking, that, less thinking more. Reactive yeah, kind exactly. Of and, um, you know, like I said, the less hero ball that he, he's going to try to play. And I think too, the things I would like to see Lawrence do more is kind of like some RPO options and get him moving because he can be effective with his legs. And you showed some of that last year and, you know, maybe just a little bit this year, but, um, and, and, you know, the Jaguars recently traded James Robinson away. So now it's the Travis ETN show. And he had a really, really good game in London against the Broncos. You know, I think he's looking like he could be a special back here. And I think, you know, that could be dangerous when you got ETN and Lawrence. And of course they go way, way back to Clemson when they, when they did it there and you could do some RPO stuff and you could do some read option stuff and get Trevor moving and, and move the pocket for him. And like I said, kind of, uh, you know, just have him throw, passes uh, where, you know, the defense allows in the, the holes in the, in the zone and uh, taking advantage of what the defense is allowing you to get. So I think, you know, with Lawrence, 
some of it does have to do with the game plan of the coaches too. And a lot of it has to do with, like I said, him not trying to, to play hero ball too much, too much and him trying to, uh, you know, I think he, like we talked about his decision-making and his accuracy and the, the things like that. It's just, you know, like I said, it's hard to pinpoint one exact issue with the offense in general, with the defense in general, but even with Trevor Lawrence in general is that he has so much going for him, but he, I think he has so much on his plate at times too, that he's not always making the right choice or he's not always making the throw, even when he does make the right decision. Um, you know, it, it's just, like I said, it, it's very close. It's inches, right. Um, right. away or he's just wildly inaccurate sometimes. And it's frustrating, you know, to watch because you know that he can do this stuff. Um, but like I said, it's kind of like, you know, you, you have to give him time to develop and figure this out on his own. And, you know, eventually I think he's going to be able to unlock that decision. So, you know, I, I think good Trevor Lawrence is, is what we talked about is, you know, being able to take control of the situation versus being able to press. So put him in, you know, the coaching staff needs to put him in the right situations to do that. For sure. For sure. So you brought up the uh, the trade of James Robinson to, to pave the way for Travis Etienne. So I want to talk about that for a second. Was that trade more indicative of uh, of Robinson playing poorly or of Etienne maybe just taking over? Yeah, I don't think it had to do with uh, Robinson playing poorly as much as I think that Etienne fits Peterson's kind of offensive system better. Um, you know, Etienne is a guy who's dangerous in space. And he could also run between the tackles, too. Uh, and he can catch the ball out of backfield. And I think he's just a little bit more versatile than Robinson, who's more of a, a bruiser and can pound it into the, in between the tackles. And, you know, I was a James Robinson fan, and a lot of Jaguars fans didn't want to see him go. But the writing was kind of on the wall there when ETN started to, to emerge. And, um, you know, Peterson was giving Robinson less and less touches. Um, so, you know, I think it was just a matter of they wanted to – to go with ETN to because he was a better fit for the offense and they wanted to see what he could do as a feature back. And, um, you know, I don't think it, it's really indicative of, of what uh, Robinson was able to accomplish or not accomplish because, you know, he, he had a lot of success here in Jacksonville. He was an undrafted free agent um, who, you know, took Leonard Fournette's job. So he was certainly, you know, well-liked here in Jacksonville and, you know, I think the coaching staff maybe saw one of the few players on the roster of value and, and tried to see what they can get for him, knowing that they had ETN in the wings who could be effective, if not or as effective, if not more effective as Robinson in the backfield. So I, th I think it's more of just kind of that, you know, like I said, ETN being a better fit for the offense and Jacksonville, you know, maybe being able to get something for Robinson. So what's the biggest difference in the offense with ETN on the field versus when it had uh, Robinson on the field? Well, I think um, I think with with uh, ETN, you get a lot more potential for explosive plays. Um, you know, the, the play calling isn't necessarily changing as much with Robinson or ETN, but I think ETN's a bigger threat out of the backfield catching the ball, and I think he's a bigger uh, bigger threat to bust runs. And you saw him do that against the Broncos, and uh, I think he just has more big play potential than ability, um, and that's why you know they they want to go with him and. They wanted to uh, kind of, I guess, open up the offense more with ETN. So let's move on to the offensive weapons or the offense or the wide receivers, I should say, specifically. 
And Christian Kirk was the Jags kind of prize free agent signing of this past off season. I'm curious, how, what has he brought to Jacksonville's offense and has he lived up to that big contract yet? Yeah, he's been actually really effective, but, uh, and you know, a lot of people scoffed at that contract and, <laughs> you know, they couldn't believe that they were playing, paying Christian Kirk that much, but um, he's actually been, you know, the Jaguars leading receiver as he was expected to be, but, and he's made a lot of plays, but you know, the problem is now that he, he's essentially just a, a slot receiver and, you know, defense, good defensive coordinators are going to be able to scheme him out of the game. He's not really that outside threat of receiver that the Jaguars are still, are still lacking. Um, and, you know, today actually at the trade deadline, they made a trade for uh, Kelvin Ridley, who's obviously suspe- right. suspended for the rest of the 2022 season. But I think for 2023, what they want Ridley to be that guy on the outside while Kirk's able to work on the inside um, and, and give them, you know, that kind of inside outside threat there. So I think that, um, you know, like I said, even though people were scoffing at the, the trade for, uh, Kirk, he's been really effective in that slot role. And, um, you know, I think I was reading some NFL next gen stats, uh, the other day that said something that Christian Kirk was like the highest, highest or second highest graded wide receiver working out of the slot this year. Um, I don't exactly know how those metrics are calculated, but, um, you know, he, it showed that he was doing really well and that he was effective and coming in and out of the slot. Um, you know, he's got 498 receiving yards to, uh, to lead the Jaguars so far this year. And, you know, he's a guy that Trevor Lawrence is going to look for and try to get him the ball and he makes plays. Um, so, you know, I, I've been pretty happy with Kirk's performance and I think that he was well worth the signing. So former Raiders Zay Jones was another free agent signing in Jacksonville this offseason. Can you just kind of give us an update on how he's been looking in so far? Yeah, so, uh, you know, with, with Jones, I think he was one of the more kind of underrated uh, underrated signings for the Jaguars that, you know, a lot of people kind of maybe saw and were like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. Uh, he, he adds death, but he's helped the team. Um, he's... I think, you know, even going back to training camp in the preseason, you kind of saw that Lawrence and Zay Jones had a nice little connection building. And, uh, you know, throughout the season now, Jones has has played pretty well. You know, he's been a little bit hit or miss, I'd say, a little inconsistent, but he's second on the team. Um, You know, Christian Kirk has 35 receptions and Zay Jones has 34. So he's he's only one behind him in terms of receptions. And, you know, they're, they're targeted both pretty frequently. Zay Jones only has 309 yards and a touchdown compared to Kirk, who has the 498 and four touchdowns. But, um, you know, Zay has, has been that guy who, like I said, the Jaguars still kind of lack that true threat on the outside. But Zay Jones and Marvin Jones have manned those positions and they've, um, you know, kind of they've done their part. They, uh, you know, Marvin Jones has had a, some issues lately. Like he he uh, went catchless this past week. But Zay Jones, you know, usually makes – makes the play on the football if Trevor throws him a catchable ball. And um, it's not, you know, again, I don't want to kind of. uh... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I guess overestimate what Zay Jones has brought to the offense because it's not like, you know, he's come in and just been a boon for the right. offense, but he's been a solid guy that you can trust, when, you know, when you throw the football to him. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about the offensive line. And I want to start with the two tackles, Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor. I feel like, and this is just an outsider's perspective, a lot of people have been pointing to those two as the two weak points on the offense. But why don't you go ahead and fill us in? How have Robinson and Taylor looked so far this year? Yeah, you know, I'd say that's what a lot of people were saying entering the year. But, um, you know, that has not been the case uh, as the season's played out. They've, those two have played really strongly. Um, the Jaguars have not allowed a lot of sacks. And that's because of, you know, those two bookend tackles. I think Taylor is a guy who, who uh, in past years, got a lot of scrutiny from Jags fans, um, you know, allowing pressures and whatever else. Um, you know, he's played really well. Outside of the Philadelphia Eagles game when uh, Hassan Reddick was working him a little bit, I don't, uh, you know, I, I haven't noticed him really playing too poorly. And, uh, you know, he's really held his own. He's, he's probably having the best season of his career as a Jaguar. And same with Cam Robinson, he got the franchise tag in, in the offseason. And he, uh, you know, some people questioned that decision, and I was all for it because, you know, good tackles are hard to find in the NFLs, um, especially mm-hmm. left tackles. And so they already had a, a kind of homegrown product with Robinson, who had, you know, like Taylor, he's had some struggles, but, um, you know, and he's had some injury issues, but he's solid when he's healthy. And he's, uh, you know, he stayed healthy this year and he's done well, I think. Like I said, um, you know, they, they have not allowed a lot of sacks and they have really, I think, exceeded a lot of expectations that a lot of Jaguars fans and pundits had for, for those two tackles. Gotcha. So Brandon Scherf was another big free agent signing, kind of the theme of the theme of the episode here today with the, the Jags offense. So I know... Um, he had a lot of really good years in Washington, but I'm just curious, you know, he's obviously getting up there. How has he looked so far in Jacksonville? Oh uh, yeah. You know, he, especially early on, he was kind of looking like his old uh, all pro self, you know, he get out there on some polls and he'd make some plays and um, you know, he, he's been solid. I honestly, uh, in terms of the offensive line, I think it's performed a lot better than a lot of people have, uh, you know, a lot of people predicted in the, in the, uh, early season or in the off season, but, um, you know, Sheriff, he's, he's a guy who is, you know, he can be a leader down there on the offensive line, but he's also played solid, you know, obviously not for the offensive line. It's never going to be perfect, but, and they also lost, you know, their, their other starting guard, Ben Birch. Um, so Tyler Shatley has been filling in there in the interior of the offensive line, but, um, yeah, you know, the, the Rob, Robinson Taylor Sheriff, those guys have all, you know, in my opinion, played very solid this year. On the other side of the trenches, Josh Allen is easily the best pass rusher on the Jags. Can you describe Allen's skill set? And is there a particular type of tackle that he maybe struggles against? Well, yeah, you know, uh, they so with under um, defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell, you know, that they have Allen standing up as an edge rusher most of the time with Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick on the other side. I think with Allen, he's not always getting home to get the sacks, but a lot of the time he's affecting the play and he's uh, in there pressuring or, you know, hurrying the QB. And he's, uh, you know, he's still one of the Jaguars' 
best players overall on the team, and especially on the defense. There were some rumors that he might have got traded here at the trade deadline, but, uh, you know, that he's a young piece that I think is, is important for the Jaguars to hold on to because not only is he still young, he's already a leader of the team. He's already a defensive end who, who gets there. And, you know, I don't know if there's a particular tackle that he struggles against, but there are times where he's a little bit inconsistent and he's not getting the, the kind of consistent pressure that you would expect him to get. But like I said, you know, he's still – a guy who, uh, you know, he leads this defense and he leads the team in uh, sacks with three. Well, he's tied with uh, Dewan Smoot with three. Um, and he's got, uh, you know, 12 quarterback hits. So he's he's out here, uh, you know, just kind of playing his role and making sure that even when he's not in the play, he's trying to affect the play. And I think Trevon Walker is kind of the same way where he's not always going to show up on the stat sheet, but he's trying to, uh, affect the, the game in different ways. So I kind of want to dive into that a little bit more with Trevon Walker. Um, I know he's not played, maybe not been the quite the number one pick that you would hope for, but what, how has he met or failed to meet expectations so far this year? Yeah. You know, I think he kind of had like this, uh, this huge rise, right. As a draft prospect, right. you know, he wasn't really on the radar at all as a number one pick as a guy closer and closer his, you know, he had that big combine and then his name started coming up and coming up and eventually, the Jaguars chose him as the number one pick and, you know, some people loved it. Some people hated it. Some people were indifferent about it, but, you know, Walker had, didn't really always carry the profile of a guy who's going to be a number one pick. And I think, you know, so far early on in the NFL, you're seeing him as a guy, again, a lot uh, like we talked about with Allen, he's not always going to be in every play, but he's going to affect, you know, the outcome of the play more often than not, if, even if he's not getting home or he's not getting a sack, he's a really strong run defender already. Uh, you know, the, the kind of scouting report on him coming in was that he was going to be a raw, raw pass rusher. And I think that, you know, at least in my opinion, and I know many others agree that he's actually, a, a, you know, a lot more polished in that area already in his young career than a lot of people were expecting. Um, and he's all effort too, all the time. So I do think that, you know, he's got a bright future ahead of him. I, he, again, uh, he, you know, he's going to have some inconsistency and kind of rookie wall issues. Um, but, you know, I haven't seen anything to concern that concerns me about Walker long-term. So sticking within the uh, 2022 draft class at linebacker, Devin Lloyd, at least from judging one of, from uh, at least from judging off just off his PFF grades, it looks like he's been really good against the run, but maybe struggled in coverage. I'm curious if you would agree with that. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he's a, another, yeah, like you said, he was another first round rookie who's come in right away, got the starting job, and he's made a lot of plays. I think, especially for a rookie linebacker, um, you know, probably the hardest part is going to be able to, pay, to play pass coverage against these NFL wide receivers, running backs, and offensive athletes, right? So I don't think that, you know, necessarily pass coverage is a huge issue for him. I do think that, you know, sometimes that's not going to be his calling card. You know, he's going to come right. downhill. He's going to stop the run. And he's, but, um, you know, he's made some interceptions and some nice plays in the passing game too. So, you know, I, again, much like Walker, um, I'm very pleased with what I've seen from him in the early returns with him. And I think he's another guy who has a bright future. I think that, you know, certainly the, the pass coverage is the area he probably needs to get, uh, you know, better at, probably needs to improve at the most. But at the same time, uh, you know, I think that he's going to be a player who's, you know, eventually going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to run with the fastest wide receivers or running backs, that, you know, if he's in man coverage on him and things like that. But 
he's going to be competing. He's going to be trying to do what he can to help his team and make plays. So the other linebacker, number 23, I'm not even going to try and say his name. Um, what does he bring to the table? Because I'll be honest, like I said, I can't even say it. I didn't really recognize <laughs> his name. So what, is, what does he uh, bring to the Jags defense? Foyer Aluakon, I believe. Foyer Aluakon. Uh, All right. He, so he was a guy who came over from the Atlanta Falcons. He was another one of those free agent signings. <laughs> uh, and he's, you know, he's kind of bit come in as a free agent and already been one of the leaders on the defense. He's a guy, um, you know, I believe he led the NFL in tackles last year with the Falcons. So he's another guy who's going to be in on a lot of plays, always going to find the ball and track the ball. Um, you, you know, but again, he's much like we talked about with, with, with the other guys um, and with this Jaguars defense in general is that, um, you know, right now they're, they're not good enough in, in pass coverage and they're, they've taken a step back and they have uh, are not, you know, performing up to what they looked like they were going to be able to perform to early in the season. And, you know, I, th- I think with Foyer in particular, he's a guy who is a veteran now and he's a guy who needs to kind of step up a little bit and, and uh, you know, up his play and, up, and elevate the guys around him. But, you know, he, he's a good tackler. He's a good defender, a good leader. Um, and so I think it's just kind of a matter of all putting that all together. He's a guy who I think, um, you, you know, you're going to hear a lot of his name called on Sunday against the Raiders. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we'll start to wrap up here with the defensive backs. And I want to start off by just asking, you know, you mentioned Shaquille Griffin got placed on IR recently. So kind of who's going to step in or who has stepped in and replaced him? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Griffin, uh, was the guy who gave up the game winning touchdown against the Colts in Indianapolis. And he he struggled in that game and maybe his injury had something to do with it. Um, like, like we discussed, he's now on IR. So, you know, the guy that the Jaguars have turned to, uh, you know, to replace him on the outside has been Trey Herndon, who's been around the team for a long time. Um, you know, he, he started a lot of games here with Jacksonville when the team, you know, signed Shaquille Griffin um, and they have Tyson uh, Campbell, who's a second year player now, who was the first uh, first pick of the second round in the 2021 draft, who's looking like a very solid young cornerback. And then they have Darius Williams as the nickelback. Um, you know, it, it's still a solid unit, uh, even without Griffin and Herndon starting, but Herndon, you know, is kind of a replacement level player kind of, um, you know, I, th- I think his uh, best role is kind of a, as a rotational player and a guy who uh, comes in. But like I said, he's also very experienced and he can help, he can hold his own against, you know, these NFL wide receivers. So, um, but as I also mentioned, you know, the passing defense for Jacksonville has not been good. The safety play has not been great. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, so it's pretty much turned in back there, Williams. Um, and uh, like I said, Tyson Campbell, who made a really nice interception against uh, Russell Wilson in London. Campbell, you know, he, he looks like the number one, like a true number one cornerback of the future for this team. So I think there's, you know, there's a lot of hope there with him. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about Campbell next and just kind of what the difference between him being as a rookie and kind of this year so far, and is he emerging into that cornerback one role for the Jaguars? Yeah. You know, I think he was a guy who who had his struggles, you know, took his lumps early as a rookie, but really came on strong toward the end of the year last year. And he, you know, he's brought that play into, uh, you know, this year in 2022. And again, you know, when you play the cornerback position, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs, like, you know, there there are going to be some long balls 
complete it on you, you're going to give up some plays from time to time. But for the most part, um, you know, I think Campbell is a guy who really holds his own back there. And he, you know, like I said, he, he's going to be a really, really key part of this defense. And, you know, a defense that has a lot of young parts that we talked about Walker and Lloyd and, you know, even Josh Allen, who's still fairly young and, uh, you know, with Campbell, like, you know, if these guys can put it all together, you know, Mike Caldwell can, can get uh, these guys playing and, you know, um, make some better adjustments. Uh, you know, I think I think this is a defense that can do some things, but right now they're still still just a, a group of young guys who are trying to figure it out. Um, but I do, you know, Campbell is definitely one of the players that I'm most excited about on this team. So I have kind of a similar question with Andre Cisco. It's obviously in a similar situation, but Cisco famously didn't get playing time last year. So I'm curious, what's been the difference between year one and two? Is it just having a coach that actually knows if he's in the game or not? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that could have that could have to do with it. Is I think you know Doug Peterson and Mike Caldwell and the and the staff identified Cisco right away as a better option than Andrew Wingard at safety. So um, you know Wingard is a good special teamer and uh, he's a guy who who provides good depth, but he's not necessarily uh, you know a starting caliber player at, at the NFL level. Um, and Cisco though, he's a guy who is kind of like a ball hawk, right? He, he's gonna. Mm-hmm. try to make that interception whether that means that he's going to give up a big play or not he's going to go after the ball that's kind of what his reputation was at Syracuse and that's kind of how he's played it in the NFL too um so you know I I think that you know him next to Rayshon Jenkins like I said the safety play hasn't been great I think those two can play better I think Cisco is a really talented player and like I said he uh, you know he's a ball hawk and when he makes those impressive plays it's like wow but then when he gives up some big plays, it's, you know, you kind of know why. And I think that he is a guy who, who um, you know, like Campbell will continue to progress. You know, the, those are both really young players back there in the secondary. And I think that they're, you know, the, they can definitely do some things together. But um, I think that, you know, with, with Cisco, it was clear to Doug Peterson and the staff that this guy should be starting. Gotcha. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, awesome. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Where can the people find your work, man? Yeah, uh, bigcatcountry.com on SB Nation. Um, I'm also on uh, Twitter at Ryan O'Blenis, R-Y-A-N-O-B-L-E-N-E-S-S. All right, guys, make sure to give Ryan a follow. He'll give you all those Jaguars updates. And at the rate the Raiders and the Jags are going, they might be picking right next to each other in the draft. So we want to keep tabs on those Jaguars out there. You guys know where to follow me, Adam Holder 95 on Twitter. Make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride. Other than that, until next time, guys.